If you would at this time open your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Nathan Dwyer will read to us from that passage, and then after that, Troy will preach to us. Scripture reading will be from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. Again, that's 1 Peter 3, verses 18 to 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, namely baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Good morning. It is good to be here. It's good to be together as a family, a family of people who love God. It is a good thing to, to be together in order to let God know how important he is uh, to us. If you could turn in your Bibles to chapter 6 of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, if you would. Every year at camp, there is a rite of passage, a, maybe a ritual, I don't know, but it's a rite of passage for all of the campers who want to play in the river during swim time. And, the, and that rite of passage is that it's their swim test. They have to make it from one point on the shore around another point and all the way back to the shore without dying. It seems easy enough, but I've seen boys fail the test. And once they fail, they are destined to play on the shore for the rest of the week in the shallow part of the river. It has to be frustrating for them. But if you're able to pass this test, then freedom is found by making it through the water. And a boy or a girl is going to be proud of that and excited about that. Several times God uses water to grant man salvation by grace through faith. And so we're going to talk about this morning for a few moments, for a little while, about salvation to be found through the water. Through the water. So we're going to talk about, let's talk about a few of those instances. And so we'll begin, we'll begin by talking about Noah and the flood. And so we're in Genesis chapter 6. And we see in 5 through 8, and I'm going to read that. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. 
So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so he was, he was given some responsibilities to build what we call the ark, what God calls the ark in the Bible, to build an ark, to build a vessel through which they will have salvation. A monumental task. A couple of weeks ago, several of us, 17 of us, went to Walsenburg, Colorado to put a, to put a uh, VBS on. And while we were there, some of our downtime, we would go to different places. Uh, Monday, we went to the Great Sand Dunes. After we did VBS, we went to the Great Sand Dunes. On Tuesday, we went to an interesting place uh, called Bishop Castle. Bishop Castle. And you'll see a few pictures of it tonight when we give a report on the work that we did in Colorado. And by the way, I'll give the report and then three of our young men will be presenting the lesson and the lessons. And so if you would come back tonight and see that. But anyway, we were at this castle and, and the background on the castle is that in 1959, Jim Bishop, who at that time was 15 years old, bought, had his parents signed for, but paid for with his own money, 2.5 acres in the San Isabel Mountains. He started building a cabin then with his dad. But at one point in 1972, he decided that that cabin, because people were telling him that cabin started to look like a castle. And so he decided just to build an all-out castle, just to go for it. And so in 1972, he started building a castle stone by stone, all by himself. And he is by trade an ornamental iron worker. I don't know if if, if our teens knew that, but that's why all those rail, rails were there. He, he fashioned those himself. Jim Bishop is now 72 years old, and he's still working on that castle. We saw him working on that castle, moving huge stones with a winch and with a bobcat and smoothing out dirt, but he's still working on the castle because he's not finished with his project yet. Noah, on the other hand, finished his project. He finished out of faith, out of obedience, finished his project and his family was saved because of that. So by God's grace, Noah was saved. He found, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He had responsibility and he was required to do certain things from, 16, from 13 to 21. He receives instructions on how to build the ark and what went into the ark. And, and God's grace, in, yes, it included instructions in order for him to be saved, in order for his family to be saved. But Noah was obedient. We read in 6.22 and 7.5, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, and he did it. He was faithful. He was given responsibilities, and he was faithful with them. His obedient faith was the means by which God granted his grace and we read in Hebrews 11:7 a little bit about Noah and his faithfulness. In that chapter about faithfulness, it says in 11:7 of Hebrews, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Action 
on that faith that Noah had secured God's grace. And he was tremendously blessed by it. And we need to be thinking in that direction as well. God has showered us with grace. He wants us to go to heaven. He wants us to be saved. And yet, we have responsibilities. We have things that we need to do. Genesis 7, 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Life or salvation was to be found through the water. We just had 1 Peter 3 read in verse 20, When once the design, the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water, life was to be found through the water. Noah and life. Let's talk about Israel at the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. The Israelites have left Egypt. They're being chased. And they come to an obstacle. They come to a sea. And their backs are against the sea. And they know that Pharaoh is coming. And they know that his armies are coming. And they start to complain. And they start to tell Noah, you know, what's wrong with the graves? Were there not graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here in order to die? We would have rather, we told you, we would have rather stayed there. And Moses said, do not be afraid and stand still. God will take care of us. God will take care of us. Scripture references this in Psalm. You go ahead and turn to the 106th Psalm. And this, this event is referred to or written about in the 106th Psalm, verses 7 through 12. The 106th Psalm, verses 7 through 12. Our fathers in Egypt. This is 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies. But rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Scripture teaches us that they rebelled. That they, that they went against God's will. That they weren't happy enough with what God had been doing for them. They did not remember, but they rebelled. Nevertheless, Scripture says in verse 8, He saved them for His namesake that He might make His power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated him and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemy enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. And that's what it took. Backs against the water, complaining. Moses says, stand still. God asks why they're complaining and then tells Moses, gives Moses instructions on what to do and how to do it. And what's going to happen? He had responsibility. The Israelites did too. Verses 15 and through 16 of chapter 14 of Exodus. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Responsibility. Go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So that happens. 
Moses is given instructions to tell him to give instructions to the people. You go forward when when the time comes. He's given instructions to lift his rod, spread out his hand, and the waters are going to part. The land is going to dry up, and they will be able to go forward. And so they do. And then he's given more instructions. In verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back onto the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on their horsemen. So Moses is told, Lift your rod up. Instructions. Your responsibility. I will save you, but you've got to do something. And that lift your rod, spread out your hand, and you will be saved. Israel has a responsibility. Once the waters part, you go forward. It might not seem like something that you're used to. It might seem very weird, a strange experience, but you do it. You do it. I don't, I don't know what it looked like. We, so many people have painted this event. It's very interesting. And I, and I just I wonder how clear the water was. What you could see in the water, if you saw aquatic life or whatever, I always wonder about that. I don't know what it looked like, but it had to have been awesome. Remy and I were, were watching. She asked me about surfing, what a surfboard was for. And so... I showed her some videos of surfing some of the biggest waves in the world. And it was an awesome thing to watch. Sometimes these giant waves, these little people on these giant waves, on these little surfboards, and sometimes they would get into the curl and it would look like it's over for them. This giant wall of water is going to fall on them. And they would somehow come out the other side, it was just amazing to watch this huge wall of water. Verse 22 of 14 said, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The waters were a wall. They were passing through the deep of this deepness of the sea and on each side is a wall of water. And these thousands and thousands of people have to get through this and they do. And they do. And it was an amazing thing, I imagine, to watch and be a part of. But instructions were given. Obedience is required. Faith and action. And they act on faith. And they go through. And then they give good God glory for the grace that He's bestowed on them. Deliverance was to be found through the waters. Let's talk about Naaman and his leprosy in Second Kings chapter 5. And you have this account of a man who's a commander in the Syrian army, commander for the king. He found favor in the king. And they captured an Israelite girl, and she was Naaman's wife's mistress. she, She waited on her. And she knew about Naaman's leprosy, and she said to her her mistress, she said, "If, if only he could encounter the prophet... In Israel. And so Naaman went to the king and said, This is what she said. And the king said, I will write letters. I'll give you some clothes. I'll give you gold and silver. And you go to the Israelite king and let him know what you want. Let him know that you want to be healed. And so he sent a letter to the king. And the king tore his clothes. Elisha 
says, Why did you tear your clothes? Why, why wouldn't you not send them to me? And he does. And he gives instructions to Naaman to be cleansed. I don't know what, he, what, what Naaman was expecting, but I know what he wanted. I know what he wanted. He wanted his flesh to be healed. He wanted to have normal skin. I looked into, into this idea of the past. Of, I googled how much revenue is there to be had in anti-aging prod, products and skin creams. And so in the past few decades, the market for anti-aging products and services has grown into a global industry I found at an estimated $261.9 billion. Because people want to look young. They want to have young skin. The number of botulinum toxin or Botox treatments, injections, rose from 2000 to 2012 680% because people want to look young, want to look younger. They want young-looking skin, and Naaman just wanted normal-looking flesh. And he was cleansed. When he heard about the dipping in the Jordan seven times from Elisha, he was indignant. Why would I do that? And his servant said, you know, if he had told you to do something elaborate, something majestic, you would have done it. This is easy. Why don't you do it? And he does it, and he's healed. But God's grace, he's healed. And Jesus mentions this account in Luke 4, 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. He had a responsibility, he had a personal responsibility that was required of him in order to be healed, in order to experience God's grace. Instructions were given. He rejects the instructions. He's not healed. He, he follows the instructions and he is healed. And that's a lesson for us as well. We get instructions from God. We might not understand them and they might seem silly and they might go against what we want to be doing in life, but it's God's will. It's God's will. And we know and read about God's will and His commandments and what He wants us to do. We might not understand it. We might not like it. But we have personal responsibilities. Naaman's obedient faith was a means through which God grants His grace. So he has instruction. He has obedience. He has healing. Because healing was to be found through the water. Healing was to be found through the water. Let's talk about in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. The man born blind. He's born blind. And Jesus is walking along one day and they pass a man born blind. And his disciples said, who sinned? His mother, him? Who sinned? And Jesus said, none of them sinned. He was born like this so that God can be God's glory can be shown so that I can heal him, basically says. And so he he gets he comes to the man and he gets dirt, he spits in it, makes mud, puts that on his eyes, and he says, Go wash in, go wash yourself in the, in Siloam. And he comes back and he's seeing. 
God's grace gave him his sight. God, it, it's the works of God. And Jesus healed him. But he still, the man born blind, still had a personal responsibility in 9-7. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. When he obeyed, and he did obey, he believed Jesus enough to obey. It was a crazy thing, wasn't it? I mean, to, to spit in dirt, make mud, put it on the eyes, and then go wash in a certain place. Crazy thing. And yet he does it because he has faith. And he has faith enough to be obedient. And so he's obedient and he gets it done. And when he's obedient, he is healed. And when he's healed, he wants to talk about it. And people are asking him. He's telling, he's telling him. He, people are trying to get Jesus in trouble. But his, he obeys and he's healed. And this man's obedient faith was a means through which God granted his grace. He was blind, he says. Now I, now I see. He, he, he trusted Jesus and what he said. Specific instructions were given and obeyed. And so for him, sight was to be found through the water. Sight was to be found through the water. And finally, let's talk about the sinner and our salvation today. Let's look at, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. The sinner and our salvation. God's grace, our responsibility, our obedience, and our blessings. Romans chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 23 through 26. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. We read that all the time. We talk about that all the time. 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. God's grace saves man from sin. Ephesians 2.5 and, and, and verse 8. Ephesians 2.5 and verse 8 says, By by the grace of God, by, the, by grace you've been saved. Ephesians 1.7 reads, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We have forgiveness. We have the blessing of being redeemed because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. An amazing thing to think about. But we also have a responsibility. God's grace is offered to us. Instruction is given. When that instruction is given, then we have a responsibility to be obedient to that instruction. And it's required in order to receive this grace. Hebrews 5, 9. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, who are obedient. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Obedience, doing, 
Our obedient faith is the means through which God grants His grace. Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized has faith, does, you'll be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Acts 2.38, Peter says to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. At grace, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 22.16, the question, Why are you waiting to rise be baptized? Wash away your sins. Do this, calling on the name of the Lord. 1 Peter 3.21, an antitype which now saves us, baptism. You can also look at Romans 6, 3 through 4. But we understand. We understand. God wants us to get to heaven. He, he wants to bestow grace upon us. Yeah, he has. But with that grace, with that offer of grace comes instruction. And with that instruction comes, uh, comes responsibility. And with that faith that we have in God, we are obedient. And once we're obedient, we experience that grace that God is offering. Salvation is to be found by going through the water. And that's it. I mean, that, that's how it works. We have faith that God is God. We have faith that God sent His Son to die for us. We have faith that He did die. We have faith that He was, that, that he was resurrected. We have faith that, that there is something that we need to do in order to get to heaven that is being offered to us. And we know that we've got to believe in Him. We've got to repent of our sins. We've got to be baptized. We've got to confess Him before men and be baptized for the remission of sins. We know that. That's instruction. And so do we have enough faith to obey Him so that we can be showered with this grace that, he's being, that is being offered to us? thinking about this if 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 I built if I spent time and I don't have the money to do it but if I spent time and I had the money had the gumption I had the know-how and the knowledge to get this done if I if I built a house had enough money and time and stuff to invest and I built a house a large house a, a, a grand house a beautiful house on some great land I built this house and then I made an offer to you that you can have this house. It, you can have it. it. It could be yours. All you have to do in order to get this mansion is to come to the building, go up into the baptistry and let yourself go under all the way and then come up. And that's all you have to do. Then you live in the house and you take care of it. But it's your house. It's being offered. How many of you would take that deal? You, you have this house and it could be yours. You have to do this one thing. How many of you would take that deal? I, I would. I would do it. But people, people are so hesitant for some reason to obey the gospel when this incredible gift of going to heaven Spending eternity with God, worshiping Him, being happy, not going to hell and spending eternity being tormented, but being in heaven. And all you have to do, all you have to do is based on your belief and based on your willingness to repent, based on your willingness to confess Christ before men, all you have to do is get in the water and go through the water. Through the water. And so as we end...
I have a question. Have you passed through the water? Have you passed through the water? Some of us have. Most of us have. We're Christians. We, we've been baptized for the remission of our sins. Have you gone through the water? Yes, most of us have. Some of you haven't. You haven't gone through the water. On the other side is healing, is, is vision, is, is deliverance, is salvation on the other side. And if you haven't, then why haven't you? And we're going to offer an invitation. And when this invitation song is, is sung, contemplate this. If you're not a Christian, you haven't gone through the water you believe that Jesus is God's son. You believe that he died for you and was resurrected and wants you to go to heaven. You know, you understand that you are a sinner and you're ready to repent, turn around from those sins. And you're ready to confess Christ before men. And you're ready for all of these things. What is stopping you from going through the water? What's stopping you? And so contemplate that. And if you're a Christian who has wandered away, then contemplate this. Don't drown. Don't drown. Don't allow yourself to drown. Come back. And if you have any other need, give me a bet by coming forward. Let us know now as we stand and sing.